0: 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network.
1: Jordan, we have some NBA news before we get to what's going on here on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to the highlights of the day across the Zone Sports Network coming up here momentarily. But Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN Reporting says, ESPN Sources, as the NBA models a 22-team format for a July 31st resumption in Orlando, the proposed timeline for teams as the last possible date for an NBA Finals game uh, 7 is October the 12th. So we're, we, we're aware of the uh, the time window, Gordon. And I suppose the other new news is it looks like the 22-team format is still popular.
2: Yeah, that's the impression I get. That seems to be what people are reporting the most. Uh, not sure whether that's uh, absolute, but uh, I guess we're going to find out soon enough.
1: Well, on Thursday is when the the vote is going to happen. And, and Gordon, my opinion through this, this is just opinion, is that the plan is going to be decided before Thursday. And Adam Silver is going to know. He's got the votes before that meeting even starts. So I would guess that some of this news coming out is probably pretty good, pretty good, meaning pretty solid that you can count on it, because I think that decision is is being finalized now, if not made already. So
2: what do you think about the uh, finals being determined in October?
1: um i I think you got to do what you got to do I mean that's a pretty crowded sports calendar i'm I'm sure that's not ideal, but you've got to find a way to get a conclusion to this season in the books right
2: well uh, there are different ways of doing that, but maybe this is the most profitable
1: what do you mean what what would be another way of of doing that i i guess what are you asking you could
2: you could shorten everything
1: up and just get it done in September or whatever if you didn't yeah, bring the I, I teams
2: whether, back? Yeah, see, I don't know how much it really matters. And, I, I just, you know, uh, Adrian did not point out if the uh, Game 7 in the finals was October 12th, then when would the next season start?
1: Uh, I mean, all we've been hearing is, is sometime around Christmas, right? Or maybe a yeah. little bit earlier, so that would... Uh, not be a huge layoff, but it would be some off season for those finals teams. But you if think, you're not you think in the 20s... 20... A
2: lot of people say people aren't even paying attention to the NBA until after football season ends anyway. Hey you know? Yeah. Not true in this town, but... I
1: know. think it's impossible to capture the attention of everybody for the entire NBA regular season. I, I don't want to see it moved, personally. I don't... I don't want to have NBA basketball over the summer, plus it interferes with international basketball. But I understand that I might be in the minority on that.
2: It's just different. It's just adjusting to something new. And there's nothing magical about these dates, other than the fact, like you said, that they'll be going up directly against football. But they do that anyway.
1: They do it some. Um so I, I I don't know in, in in today I'm fine with this Gordon because this feels like a good compromise. I'm a compromise type of dude, and this is uh, this is the league saying okay, well we're not going to bring everybody back. We do have safety in mind. Uh, you know, obviously, logistically, if they couldn't pull it off, they wouldn't even be talking about uh, twenty two teams. You know, they're taking into account some teams that are still competing for the playoffs. And they're not going to make it some big extravagant thing. This this feels like a decent compromise to me. You you mentioned the time off for a for an NBA Finals team being short. Well, how about the time off if you're on a, a team that's not part of the 22? Yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's a long long that time. That is a long time not to be playing basketball. Yeah. So this this feels like a pretty decent compromise to me.
2: Okay, so what do you got? If it's 22 teams, then you got the 16 teams that are in playoff position right now and then that gaggle of teams in the West who are trying to capture that eighth spot that Memphis has right or do you think there will be another team in the East added to the thing
1: you know, I don't know um, the the report we had that it was the Western teams. How old is that now? A week old, something, something like, that. like that. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I that probably could evolve like anything else. Um, the Wizards would be the other candidate because they're five games out in the East, right? Mm-hmm. I I really liked hockey's solution. I don't know if if the NBA is going to do something that um, out of the box because that's not. It doesn't look like that's the direction they're headed. Some I, sort of playoff play in right type situation. In hockey, it's a round robin. With those teams, and so play round robin for a spot in the playoff, and uh, the, what hockey was going to have a, a seeding round robin as well for the teams that were already firmly. And I, I don't know if the NF, NBA does anything that drastic, but I like it in hockey. What I think happens? It's cool.
2: What happens? Like if the Jazz are scheduled to play one of the teams that isn't one of the twenty-two, you just skip over that.
1: Oh, I think in this circumstance you have to create a whole new schedule. I think you got to throw out. Throw out what was left on but the TV schedule. But that seems and a little
2: strange because now everybody is playing that nobody's got any gimme games in there.
1: Right. It, well, none of this. I, this gets back to a little bit of what we were talking about yesterday, right? I mean, none of this is going to be perfect. Nobody's not. There's no solution where everybody's going to be happy.
2: I guess my point is that in this weird season, that is unlike any other, that it would have been beneficial to have your. Easy games earlier
1: rather than later. Right. But who would have known that going in? I mean, yeah, nobody. You know, the, did but. somebody have a, a a fortune teller who was like, hmm, the season is going to come to an end. You have a fortuitous schedule. You know, who knows?
2: That it, would be somebody looking into a, a magic, uh, what do you call those? Eight ball? <laughs>
0: The magic eight ball, you have to ask a question. Right, no, no.
1: <laughs> crystal ball, I think. Crystal is what, ball is what we're aiming for here. But... Yeah,
0: you were you said a
2: fortune teller, isn't that more like a palm reading or something? No, they they do crystal balls too, yeah.
1: Or or like uh, Miss Cleo, rest her soul with the cards.
2: Madame Cleo.
1: Was it Madam Cleo? Yes.
2: I've never seen the crystal ball. You ever seen a crystal ball? Of course. of course.
1: Yeah.
0: Where'd you see that? The haunted mansion. <laughs> Next question.
1: Uh, So if you're just joining us, the news uh, basically Adrian Wojnarowski put out uh, about 10 minutes ago is the NBA models a 22-team format for a July 31st resumption in Orlando, and the proposed timeline for teams is the last possible date for an NBA Finals Game 7 is October the 12th. So that's the big news. And again, the Board of Governors... Uh, meeting is set for thursday where they will uh, vote on a finalized plan to restart the season so that's the big news let's uh let's get into a little what's going on shall we we do it every single day at usually at three but sometimes we move it around a little bit depending on the guest schedule let's start out with a cut from dj and pk here's dan feldman talking uh, various nba topics Dan Feldman join
0: us, NBA writer for NBC Sports Pro Basketball Talk. Do you anticipate 100% of the players on the 22 teams, if that's the plan, but 100% of the players going to Orlando, 95%, 70%? How many, how many people want in on this?
3: Uh, I'm going to say uh, over 100%, because I think there's going to be some roster flexibility. I, I think there's going to be room for two-way players to play in the playoffs. This all has to be negotiated, but I think it's headed that way, of two-way players being able to play in the playoffs when they wouldn't have otherwise, and maybe even roster spots beyond that, because everybody's worried about injury. Everybody's worried about uh, a player getting sick or, or these things where you don't want it to devastate a team's depth, uh, something like that that emerges in these unprecedented situations. It gives teams a chance uh, to be able to put, you know, capable players out there. And, you know, you don't want to compound it, right? If a team has a couple injuries, you don't want to have to start playing other players way too many minutes and putting them at greater risk of injury, too.
4: Do you find it odd, and maybe odd's not the right word, but nevertheless I'll use it in this situation, that the league could restart, but yet they won't include everybody?
3: in some ways yes right you put it that way and yeah it does seem weird like all these teams but let's just look at where the nba goes at this point of the year in mid-march every single season anyway these games don't matter for the teams outside the playoff race and you know out there this is not something you guys have experienced often uh Teams outside the playoff race, they have nothing to do but start tanking. It makes for miserable games. I don't see a point of playing those games as they're played in regular times, uh, let alone now.
0: So this long layoff, has it benefited any teams uh, more than others, or has it hurt any teams more than others? The answer is yes. Uh, The unsatisfying answer is we don't know
3: exactly who, right? It's which teams uh, are staying in the best shape or on the other side staying, uh, not staying in the best shape, getting out of shape. And, we know, we have a sense of how players are motivated to stay in shape, what kind of condition they're in. During the structure of an NBA season in normal times, it's like in a lot of businesses, some employees are better at working home than others, and you don't necessarily know who they are until they're put in that position. This is just generally not how it works for NBA players. Uh, You know, if you watch that horse competition on ESPN, you you saw such a varying level of of courts that play players had access to and those are the players who had courts at all not everybody does and so everybody's coming back in different places you can look at a team like the 76ers uh, where Ben Simmons got healthy and say yeah that could be good for them they got some more time for Ben Simmons to get over his injury Uh, but Joel Embiid has had conditioning issues throughout his career particularly when he's been hurt and out of the team structure a bit so that could go the other way there's a lot of who knows with it.
1: There is a lot of who knows, and we're, we are getting a, a, a little bit more clarity on the rules. But as far as the condition that athletes and, and players come back in, Gordon, that's that's the huge mystery. I mean, yeah. the, the yeah. history, the one that, that jumps out to you, remember when Sean Kemp came back from the lockout back in 98, 99, and was just a different basketball player and never went back to the same player because he was out of shape. So you wonder what condition, That's that's really extreme, obviously, but you wonder what condition some of these guys come back in.
2: Yeah, I agree with you completely. Uh, it adds to the intrigue. <laughs> I mean, it as the season was going on the way it was before, we were seeing trends, and I don't know whether the trends like that uh, the Lakers are really good and that the Clippers are really good and that the Bucks are really good, Toronto. I, I don't know whether they ha- will really change, but they might. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how those players are going to come back, like you said. It's pretty hard to tell and we'll we'll know it when we see it under under strange conditions still yeah. but maybe that will make it Maybe they'll mix it up a little bit, and Maybe it's not just it,
1: right. That, it's, it's not just players getting heavy either. It could be, you know, weight loss. I again, there's a picture floating around the internet, so who knows, uh, you know, if yeah. it's true or not. But there's a picture out there of James Harden who looks uber skinny. Yes, he uber did. skinny. I saw it. And you're like, oh man, what condition is he going to come back in? So you never know. But it, yeah. it it will be a factor. I agree with that. I wonder if him being
2: thinner will help him or hurt him. I, right. I don't know whether that makes him less effective as a scorer, you know, because he he does take a beating. Uh, and some of it, it, we all make fun of some of the fouls he draws, but he does get hit.
1: He does and, not get hit, and he does not take a beating. Just because he looks like he was uh, um, uh, assaulted does not mean that he actually was so. Oh, Okay.
2: And if you he intentionally. Ne- right, he, ne- he never gets hit. You're right.
1: If you intentionally land on somebody's foot, are you really taking a beating? <laughs> and just collapse to the ground, you know? Are Have you, you ever
2: landed on someone's foot? That hurts like the devil.
1: It does unintentionally. But when you look down and you see the foot. <laughs> Did you step and you, on and it? And off? you think, oh, I'm going to make contact with this and <laughs> make it look like I, I just snapped my leg in two. I, you know, it's a little bit different, right? Prepare yourself for the blow. I think you may have fabricated that a tad bit yourself. Oh, no. With Harden? If your foot's within uh, 10 feet of him when he's shooting, he's going to find it. How did you (laughs) fall on that foot, man? I was on the other side of the court. The guy just has a a talent. For uh, for not creating true. contact, hey, uh, you know, don't hate the player, hate the game. He manipulates everything. I got it, but stop, but let's not stop, s- let's not stop. pretend that James Harden gets roughed up like say Isaiah Thomas <laughs> or Michael Jordan back in the day. Let's, well, let's not, you know, he does he does get hit. I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one, Gordon. Who does it, take a, it, a beating not, not, in not, today's day and age? Who's it like like Russell Westbrook takes a beating? I'd say more so than James Harden. LeBron I mean, well, certainly. LeBron does, yeah. Yeah, I think there are other candidates that would have a legitimate gripe that they uh, they uh, they take a beating. James Harden is is certainly not one of those. All right, if you say so.
2: See, I, I, I'm a moderate. I you say never. I don't say always. I say somewhere in between. You can't be a scorer like him and not get hit.
1: Hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, Should we move on? Greg Miller was on with Hanson Scotty, and uh, we've been uh, trying to cast some light on this, bring attention to the big blood drive uh, going on here at the arena. Here's Greg Miller on with the guys.
5: Well, um, like a lot of people, um, we were around the table, the metaphoric table, uh, so to speak, as a family a few weeks ago trying to figure out what we could do to improve our collective situation and uh, it, it, we realized that we had some pretty unique resources that, that would put us in a position we may be able to make a difference such as an arena and a few other things and so we started brainstorming how we might be able to leverage those resources for the greater good and um, before we knew it we'd, we'd come up with a framework for uh, this driven to assist and you know, donating blood uh knowing that we were coming into the summer months, that there was likely to be an increase in the need for blood. And, uh, so a couple of our people, Don Sterling and Amanda Covington jumped in and started to reach out to, um, other stakeholders in the community, uh, in the medical and scientific communities. And uh, of course the American Red Cross and so on. And, and there was a great deal of support for it. And, um, so uh, through the efforts of many individuals, we've been able to arrive uh, at the point where we're able to do some real good,
6: we hope. Greg, what's it like opening up the arena doors for the first time in a long time? Um, well,
5: for me, it was really emotional. Um, sorry to Sorry to get emotional right now. I'm still at the arena. And the last time I was here was the night that we played – Orlando and uh it was the last jazz game, uh, that we that was played before the COVID shutdown. And um so I haven't been here since and as I was pulling in the, the back ramp today and uh you know, just a beautiful spring day like I like I spent a lot of with my dad and that's Alcan Convertible when he was with us. Um, I remembered the playoffs um from the, the Stockton and Malone and Sloan era and I was just kinda overcome with emotion. And then to walk into the building and see it lit up and see just a few people in there, but to actually stand in the in the arena was a big deal. And you can tell it's hit me pretty hard. And um I would just like to get I know a lot of people feel the same way. I would, I would just give anything to see a ball game in this building again.
1: That was Greg Miller on with Hanson Scotty earlier today, and you could hear him uh, obviously get a, a emotional. I think we all would love to see a ball game. Sooner rather than later here in this building, but just to to get the word out again about the blood drive, the driven to assist blood drive going on here at Vivint Smart Home Arena, you make an appointment, uh, so no lines for you. You just come down and get it done, uh, but you have to get online to redcrossblood.org and then type in the sponsor code LHM and it will walk you through it. And uh, I know you know giving blood uh, is. Gordon, on, on top of your list, it's so very important, and uh, the the demand certainly is there constant throughout uh, even a pandemic. So, uh, important work uh, that uh, Greg Miller, his family, and the Larry H. Miller Group of Companies are doing.
2: Yes, I agree with that completely. Uh, a terrific cause. And, uh, you know, get on over there and sign up and, and donate blood if you can. It's it's a, a terrific opportunity to help, help out the community. And you know, in hearing greg get emotional like that it imagine what that would be like to have that as a part of your family legacy that building yeah. you know mm-hmm. i always thought about that when when larry and gail would walk in that building it was it was their building you know and greg grew up uh, seeing all this uh, and, and, and he it must it must feel like when you're walking across that court it's like walking across your living room you know and to have it be empty uh, vacant for all this time and he said he would give anything to be able to go back into that building and see a basketball game that's that's a connection that runs deeper than most people can imagine
1: yeah pretty you know pretty cool to get that um, sincerity in in his voice and how much it means to him it's it's awesome and yeah. hopefully it inspires some folks to to help out and to donate blood again redcrossblood.org uh, uh, promotion code LHM, and uh, you can get signed up to do some good. So big thanks for it. Greg was on with us last week talking about this, Gordon, and glad he came back on the station uh, to to promote this uh, this event. And again, I, uh, Gordon, it's it's going on down where the floor would be, and I poked my head uh, in the the portal here across from our our studio just to kind of give it a look, and and they're down there, spaced out. And, uh, and, you know, they're doing the appointments as opposed to a line. So they've got your, your safety and your best interest at, at heart. They're just trying to help folks out. And as a, a, somebody from the Red Cross jumped on with DJ and PK promoting this, and, and uh, he said something that made me laugh that, uh, you know, cleanliness, safety, and sanitation, that's, that's what the Red Cross does anyway. So this, yeah. this whole situation oh. has not been much of a leap for them. So keep that in mind. And uh, if you can, please help out.
2: Yeah, I agree, hundred percent.
1: All right, uh, let's let's do one more. Or you know what? I I take it back. Let's why don't we do this coming up next? We'll play this uh, this cut with from Hanson Scotty talking about uh, Dale Murphy, and uh, he's been active online, and we'll have a conversation about what Dale had to say and Hanson Scotty had to say. We'll get to that coming up right around the corner. Uh, don't forget Eric Pinkus with us at the top of the four o'clock hour. Did you Kirk read his Bowler piece last Jack?
0: week? He's, it was <laughs> amazing, right, Gordon?
2: Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. At some point, various ideas about what the NBA should do moving forward.
1: What jogged your memory?
2: I I just... uh, It just came back? Yeah, I stopped and thought about it, and
0: I I remember. It's it's an unforgettable piece of work
1: there. Uh, Eric is great, though. He's been on the show before, and uh, he'll be a great person to talk to at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. Bowler at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is the big show, 97.5 and 1280, of The Zone. Monson, Jake Scott, ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty. The Zone. This one goes out to Zach on a total request Tuesday. Uh, bands you want their autograph? Tweet in your request at Austin horton at Jake Scott's Zone at Gordon Monson. Uh, Gordon, uh, we still wanted to get this clip. It, we had it uh, scheduled to be part of what's going on, but wanted to give ourselves enough time to uh, to comment on an interesting story involving Dale Murphy and his son. Scotty and Hans talked about it. I believe they talked about it yesterday. And uh, we wanted to get this clip because I certainly am, am curious to your thoughts. Let's uh, Here's uh, Hans and Scotty talking about Dale Murphy.
6: One story I wanted to talk to you about was what happened with Dale M- Murphy's son. Yeah. And Dale Murphy, former Atlanta Brave, if, if you don't know Dale, he is a staple in this community. Uh, he's a friend of the Hans and Scotty show. He's been on with us a couple of times. yeah, and we absolutely love him. And um, he had a, a I, I guess a, a personal story and a situation that happened over the weekend where he said that his son nearly lost his eye while he was peacefully protesting. and he claimed on the the post that officers had fired a rubber bullet and one of them hit his son right in the in the, the face next to the eye. Yeah. And I, and I know there's some confusion because you'd think oh it hit him in the eye. Didn't actually hit him in the eye. It just hit him right off the side of the eye. And you could see a pretty big gash and there were multiple pictures and it looked horrible. But he's saying that his son was protesting George Floyd's death while he was in Denver, Colorado, and that's when cops opened up fire with the non-lethal weapons and one of them hit his son. He said that uh, he's crediting people that rushed him to the hospital he said that there were people that were handing out glasses and it was those people that rushed him to the hospital and got him help pretty quickly he, they're gonna his eye will be fine but his post was um, it was heartfelt yeah and very personal
7: after he uh, after he talked about the his son and the accident he said other and, and that he's gonna be fine after going to the emergency room he said others. We're not so lucky and will be permanently disabled due to excessive police force. As terrible as this experience has been, we know it's practically nothing compared to the systematic racism and violence against black life that he was protesting in the first place. Black communities across America have been terrorized for centuries by excessive police force. If you're the beneficiary of systematic racism, then you will not be able to dismantle it at no cost to yourself. You'll have to put yourself at risk. It might not always result in being physically attacked, but it will require uh, you to make yourself vulnerable. Please consider taking action for more than just – for more – for a more just world, you can protest peacefully. You can donate to your local Black Lives Matter chapter, the NAACP, or read this guide for other ways to help protesters. And then Dell posted a picture of his uh, of his son uh, that uh, and and some of his injuries. Okay, so there's a couple things. When people who normally stay out of social issues, who normally try to just focus in on the game and try not to get involved in political issues. For Dell Murphy to make these comments and Dell to come as strong as he did on Twitter is very undell Murphy-like. And I, to me, this was one of the biggest things that I took away from this weekend from somebody that really, I mean, it kind of took my breath away to see del murphy come as strong as he did saying that yes there is institutional racism yes this has been going on for centuries yes we all have to make ourselves uncomfortable if we're going to fight this these are the comments that really resonate because this is not something del murphy does with any amount of regularity at
6: all and i've got michael jordan's thoughts a little bit later in the show we're going to jump into his thoughts and you know it's it, it's kind of um The athletes that have always stayed out of it, they're not out of it. Dale would be one. Michael's been one in the past. Yeah. And when you see Michael start to get in the mix and you see guys like Dale get in the mix, it's pretty incredible and it's it's powerful. I think it's more powerful than than some that have have been in it for a long time, even though they need to continue. It's just they're getting the, the backing and the support that they need now. And guys like Dwayne Wade and LeBron James are getting that backing. From guys like Michael Jordan, and uh, and now Dell Murphy, and that's what we need to see. When Dell speaks, I'm going to listen. Yeah, what? By yeah. that is like the old E. F. Hutton line, you
7: know? When when we speak, people listen. Like that is the hundred with Dell Murphy because Dell doesn't speak that much. There's a lot of guys that are just talk, 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 and and so it almost loses the value of their message. Even if it's spot on, it's just like okay, he's talking again whatever but when Dell speaks it's like Dell doesn't do this at all mm-hmm. and so when he comes and comes as strong as he did you notice you absolutely notice
1: so laying laying out the the situation with Dale Murphy and his his son protesting there in Denver um, really avoided catastrophe could have lost an eye or, or worse with a rubber bullet and uh, inspired Dale to to make some pretty. Um, to the point statements. And, and I guess what I like about it, Gordon, is it's a Dale has a different audience, right? I, and this is somebody who's t- speaking to people who may not have heard that message through uh, the, the own information that they digest. I, I get back to uh, we, we had a discussion yesterday about Rush Limbaugh going on with the Breakfast Club, very different sides of the media and, and them going on both. Uh, shows and I can't help but think either audience you know doesn't hear much of that point of view and I thought Rush or uh, the the Breakfast Club being aired during Rush's show I mean I don't think Rush's audience hears much of that point of view and so I, I look at Dale Murphy who's talking to a different type of audience who may not always get that message and I think that can be powerful because I think that's how conversation starts.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I agree with what Scotty was saying. Dale Murphy, for those younger folks, don't remember what a great baseball player he was. Two-time NL MVP uh, had a great influence on uh, because the the Braves games were on uh, Turner's. Uh, you know, uh, what was that called? TBS, yeah. I guess mm-hmm. it was yeah, right. And those games were shown all over the country, and people became huge Dale Murphy fans. One, he had charisma. Two, he was a good looking guy. And three, he was a great player. And everybody loved him. He wasn't a guy who created waves, he wasn't a guy that sought out controversy. He was a guy who showed up to play baseball, play it hard, play it well, play it to the best of his ability, and to be a good person. And that's what he was. Yep. Everybody knows that about Dale Murphy. So when Dale Murphy comes out and speaks, just like everybody's been saying. When he speaks, you listen to what he has to say because he's not, you know, he's well-intentioned. You know, he, he has everybody's best interests at heart. And uh, it's a really effective. And I hope and there are a whole lot of people out there in the community who may not be two time in MVPs, but are very good people who are well-respected. Uh, speak out, do what you can to uh to, to, to make the world a better place. You know, I uh, I, I respect Dale a lot and and uh, I heard uh I heard Hans say he's a friend of the uh Hans and Scotty show. He's a friend of everybody's yeah, shows on this station. We've all known him for for a long, long time. And uh nothing but respect for that guy.
1: When we, we've done finds with you where you find people you actually find Dale once. A long time ago, do you remember that? Where you find Dale Murphy? That was pretty I think funny. I fi- didn't I find him a buck? I can't remember what it was. He was he was a couple of minutes late for an interview or something like that. And oh, and we him, even brought funny. that up
2: with him, and he said he would be more than willing to pay <laughs> the fine.
1: He did say that. Uh,
2: I have but, a friend. I have a friend who uh, back when rotisserie baseball was just starting. Yeah, this was a friend of mine at the times, and uh, he he was an editor there. And he went out. And he had he had Dale Murphy on his on his uh, fantasy team, so Dale had started that season really slow, you know. And he, the Braves were playing the Dodgers, and so my buddy he goes over for to watch BP, and uh, he, he says something to Dale. He says, "Hey Dale, you know I got you on my on my rotisserie league, and and uh, and you're you're hurting my team right now." And Dale, he said, and this this editor, he he said, Dale said with such sincerity, he said, man, I'm sorry. I'll try better for it. I'll work harder for you. (laughs) He said he walked away a huge Dale Murphy fan because that's not your typical response from a major league
4: ball player.
1: And I don't think he's your typical uh, human and major league ball player. And and, uh, just to echo uh, what you were uh, talking about a little bit, and and what Scotty was saying on on uh, Dale about you know he doesn't. Um Speak often, you know, passionately, but he's not afraid to do so, which I think makes it more powerful. I mean, they're totally different situations, of course, but you know, the last major issue I remember Dale Murphy being really outspoken about was the steroids in baseball, and he was worried about kids. If you remember, right Mm -hmm. to the point where I believe he wrote a book, but he was worried about the influence on the next generation, not only with taking drugs itself, but also the the moral. Um, decisions that that come with that and he felt very strongly about it and and i i remember his voice being very loud and in this i i think you know the fact that he's not afraid to speak but as scotty was talking about is he's not speaking out in every circumstance i think amplifies his voice when he chooses to use it Here, here. So uh, I thought uh, that that was great. And this circumstance hit home for him. And, you know, you may look at his family and say, you know, that's the last family I would have expected that. But he's obviously very proud of his his son and uh, and uh, unhappy with uh, what eventually happened and decided to speak about it. And I'm very glad he did. I think that's I think that's great. Hopefully people listen to his voice. And it's uh, one of those, amongst others, that that uh, are, are just trying to do some good.
2: All right. Last time, last time I checked, I think uh, peaceful protests in this country uh, encouraged. Right. I mean, it's part of the American fabric. Okay, then.
1: It has been let for it, let a let long it, yeah. time. Yeah. Let
2: it happen without, without hurting people.
1: And luckily here in, in Salt Lake last night, um, when more protests were happening, it was a very peaceful affair and i 'm very grateful for that here in in our community so with a, I know there were a couple of instances, but for the most part a very a very peaceful situation which is which is uh, terrific and again, very happy about it. all right uh, we 've got a mountain America market update coming up next. Eric Pincus at the top of the four o'clock hour bowler at the top of the five o'clock hour 97 five and 1280 the zone
7: If you feel that is real i 'm all trial.
1: Shout out to I'm Bark Ruffalo, again. who wanted a little Elton John on a total request Tuesday. Wait, is, wait,
2: wait, wait, Bark?
1: Yeah, Bark with a B. Bark okay. Ruffalo. So, not the, not we the wouldn't actor.
2: Like him. We wouldn't like him when he's angry, <laughs> No.
1: All right, it is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for another Mountain America market update. Let's get out of The Zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services, Sid Soria with us here on The Big Show. Sid, hello. How are you? Good, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing just terrific. Let's talk about those markets today. How are we doing?
4: Uh, sounds good. Uh, among all the bad news we tend to hear about, the market was actually up today. Uh, most of the broad indexes are up about 1%. Uh, the Dow is up about 267. Uh, interesting little statistic, the uh, S&P 500 is actually up 38% from the, the lows that were instigated by this virus. So uh, quite, a, quite a turnaround for the market so far.
2: So, in these conditions, uh, do you have any uh, advice or tips for our listeners?
4: Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of times I got calls right around the end of March. Uh, clients, you know, concerned about the market being down, wanted to do something different. And uh, a lot of the advice I gave them is just to stay pat, stay with the long-term objectives. Uh, and, you know, this market has come back uh, a lot, and, and a lot of clients who got out, might would have missed out on that. So, uh, the biggest tip I can give people is uh, try not to speculate, try not to time the market, uh, try not to you know, get too concerned when you see some volatility. In the long run, the markets tend to go up more than they go down, uh, and to stay long-term with your plan. Sid, we appreciate you dropping by the show. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you, guys. All right, that's Sid Soria from Mountain America Investment Services, and that is another Mountain America Market Update.
0: The investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal
1: is possible. All right, uh, so there you go, Mountain America Market Update. Eric Pink is coming up at the top of the four o'clock hour. Gordon, we do have a couple of minutes, and I know that the Not Sports Report is coming up at four fifty. But can I uh, bring up a Not Sports related story that you might find uh, amusing? Sure. Uh, in uh, let's see, let's. This is South Africa during the COVID COVID nineteen pandemic. Obviously, they've uh, they've gone on lockdown like a lot of the rest of the world, and uh, they decided to close liquor stores. Now, that's been somewhat controversial, uh, whether liquor stores stay open or deemed essential or or closed uh, or whatnot. But apparently in South Africa, they decided to close them. Mm -hmm. Well, that was not a a deterrent, Gordon, for thieves who uh, tunneled into a Johannesburg liquor store during the lockdown, stealing uh, whiskey, brandy, gin, ciders, vodka and beer.
2: So, my question on this is, obviously, these folks thought it was very essential. They did. Uh, unless they were going, were they going in for the pleasure of uh, the, uh, the imbibing, or were they going in to
1: resell the liquor? I don't know. That's a great question, because they stole a lot of it. Uh, I so, don't know what the, what is the currency in South Africa? Uh, this says R- uh, you know this the the sign for their currency 300,000 mm. so i it sounds like a lot
0: okay so the rand the rand south african rand the uh, 3 300,000
1: rand
2: so how difficult is it to tunnel
1: into something Well, they went through concrete, solid concrete, so... Solid concrete? How
2: do you do that?
1: Okay, let me read this. The manager of the store discovered the theft and a large hole in the floor when she entered the store on Friday. She was returning to prepare for the store's reopening under Level 3 on Monday. Quote, with alcohol in high demand during the lockdown, the store was secured from the outside throughout. The suspects avoided the mail... the male's main entra- or, excuse me, males, mall's main entrance, and instead used electrical and stormwater tunnels beneath the shopping center to gain access to an area beneath the store. Uh, they then tunneled through the solid concrete floor directly into the shop.
2: So there was an, an existing tunnel that ran near the shop.
1: Well, they went into and the they, sewer they, and then they got took below it, it from there. Yeah.
2: Okay. Um, wow. I, I just, I, I, I can't think of anything that I would want so badly that I would uh, tunnel. For.
1: Cheese? You wouldn't tunnel uh, into the cheese store? If they, they put the, the <laughs> cheese supply on lockdown, you wouldn't get out the jackhammer?
2: Obviously, this was uh, an investment on the, uh, whoever did it on their part. I would they, think uh, so, too. Yeah, yeah, they weren't looking for a good uh, bit of liquor. It, it, says here, themselves.
1: it says here, it is unclear how the thieves uh, knew where to tunnel, uh, nor how long it took them to get through the thick concrete floor, but they returned a few times to steal a large amount of stock. I'm not oh, addicted
2: not- to cheese, but I like
1: it a whole lot.
2: Do you so? Do you think it was an
1: inside job? I don't know. How would they know exactly where? I mean, maybe they had. No, I mean, if, if you went into the sewer under a building you knew well, Gordon, I still doubt you would know exactly when something was right above and, you. And right? You got to have that wet
0: concrete saw or whatever the right equipment to yeah, get in there to
1: do all this.
0: Well, you could go buy one. A wet concrete saw. That can't be cheap. <laughs>
1: I'm not sure they have those at the pawn shops. <laughs> and somebody would notice, you would think, if you were using that kind of equipment. And although, they're not light. Although the mall was vacant. Uh, so, sure yeah. yeah, maybe maybe people wouldn't know. But I thought, how about that? Somebody tunneling into a liquor store <laughs> and, and had a chance to go back several times. Because, of course, if it's not open, you know, the, the people who are running the thing probably are sheltering in place at home. Yeah, you don't even have to be quiet. Well, how about that for a caper? I'm going to figure out a way to tunnel into Gordon's house. If you wake up uh, and uh, everything's gone one day, Gordon, look for a tunnel in your basement. There's nothing of value here. What about the... the, That's what uh, someone says when they've got something of value. Yeah, right. I mean, what about the like half a million dollars worth of cars that are in that garage? Well, come on now. Stop it. That's just in the garage.
0: (laughs) That's just
6: in the garage.
1: Well, those are of value. Jake,
2: I appreciate you saying this publicly.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, it's not true, Gordon. I'm exaggerating. And he lives at of. 123 Main Street. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, uh, uh, I mean, ambition.
1: Someone was very ambitious. That is ambition. Well put. That is that is some serious ambition and a lot of work, by the way. I kind of <laughs> I kind of am glad these guys are going to make some money cuz that took some real effort.
2: You think they're going to get away with it, do you?
1: I, I don't know. How would they find him? Jake's the only person on
0: here so going, they, "Hey, they found a job." They t- are, <laughs> uh, are liquor, it's tough to do these
1: days.
2: Can liquor bottles be traced?
1: Uh, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. Like serial numbers? Huh. I yeah, doubt good. it. I'm going to say I, I don't think so, but maybe some some uh, companies number their liquor bottles.
2: What percentage of crime do you think that's committed is actually they get away with it?
1: Uh, well, it depends. Are you considering any crime? Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that people speed on the reg. Oh, come on. You know what I mean? Well, that's breaking the law. What do you mean? Like, a, are we talking felony level? Where are you drawing the line? <laughs> yeah. Any crime you don't commit? That's a good point, Austin. <laughs> any crime Gordon doesn't commit, how many, uh, what percentage do you think people get away with it? No, I just, you know. Uh, okay, so that let's includes call it, speeding let's call and, it, and some,
2: let's call and some it, white collar no, work. No. Let's call it major crime. How how much of that do people actually get away with? Probably more than you'd be comfortable with, I'd guess. Parking stall lines are merely suggestions. I mean, think like about if, so, if somebody steals a, uh, a Monet
1: painting or something, I mean, do they get away with that. Again, probably uh, more than you'd think. I mean, how many how many cars get stolen in this country every single day?
2: What happens if a Monet is stolen, and then three decades later you purchase it from whomever? Do you do you are you do you lose out on that if, if you uh, display it or tell everybody, hey, look, I got this
1: Monet? Yeah, you do. You lose it. Yeah, and you probably go to jail. What if you paying proper for it? It doesn't matter. You probably go to jail for buying stolen goods. Well, yeah, if you're you buying know, a Monet, you the, you have to go through a process to uh, you know legitimately <laughs> buy something like that. If you're buying a stolen Monet and paying two million dollars for it, either everybody knows about it or you're buying it illegally. Hey, look a Monet
0: <laughs> on KSO Classified. What if, yeah, what do what you are, know?
1: <laughs> what if it had gone through like ten h- hands? Uh, sir, uh, Gordon, uh, priceless works of art are easy to identify. <laughs> Nobody's going to forget okay. that the Monet was right. stolen. How about like a Rolex watch? It probably happens a lot.
2: Uh, but but if you if you're the tenth guy, do you, are you still? Uh, is it still incumbent upon it's you to turn it over? Still
1: stolen property. I'll, I'll give you an example, Gordon. Um, uh, the way back when, because I, I saw Ben Russell today, so I feel like I can tell a Ben Russell story. You saw Ben Russell. Yeah, he's been he's at been the here like two weeks. Yeah, he's been at the station for a while
2: now. Oh, uh, well, obviously I haven't been there, so I That's good. It's good to see Ben again, huh?
1: So when Ben was was teching for us and doing some engineering, not that everybody out there knows who Ben is, but anyway, uh Ben uh, the the van was broken into and they stole all our remote equipment. Like, I mean, thousands of dollars worth of radio equipment. But, you know, the it's not all that common and fairly easy to track so a couple of months later it was tracked down in new york where somebody bought it from a pawn shop now the guy who bought it from a pawn shop gordon doesn't get to keep it because he didn't exactly steal it does that make sense he doesn't get to keep it no nor does he go to jail i assume right but but so he you buy at your
2: own
0: risk i i uh, have you guys ever purchased something at a pawn shop I actually have not. Have you, Gordon? Um, no. Uh, the one time I did, they made me sign a paper that was leading into these types of things. Right. Saying if you assume the, the yeah. like I think it even said, assume the risk. If it's stolen, you're
1: you're going to have to give it back.
0: Not saying they don't do their own... Leg work when the person brings that stuff in and right. try and vet it but you don't know them. like
1: you'd be pretty upset gordon if somebody took a rolex from you and it somehow changed hands 14 times and you found that rolex and then the person goes well it's mine I now bought it. <laughs> that's not how it works i'll sell it back to you <laughs> i bought it fair and square yeah i don't think oh, that's how man. it works no
2: man if somebody i would feel bad i would feel bad if uh if uh, somebody had been duped somewhere along the line, maybe would you split the value with that? Person? No, I'd want my watch. Say, back. Hey, look, I, when, when you bought this, it was worth 30 grand and now it's worth 90 grand grand. So let's I'll give it back to you. But, uh, you know, let's
1: kind of yeah, but share. You, but when it's stolen, Gordon, it doesn't go back to Neiman Marcus. I mean, if you buy something <laughs> out of the back of a van. <laughs> and then it ends up like, oh, that, that's my watch. Someone stole it from me. You can't act surprised and go, wow. Well, that that white van looked very legitimate. <laughs> I bought that from the inside of a guy's trench coat. It was a very nice seemed, swap meet.
0: It doesn't go that it doesn't go legitimate. back.
1: It doesn't go back to OC Tanner. Have you have you ever bought anything that was stolen? I had my rollerblades stolen as a kid.
2: But have you ever bought anything that was previously stolen?
1: Uh, Not that I know of. I I did have, no kidding, I was at an ATM, I was like 17 or 18 years old, and a nondescript white van pulled up, and you're like, hey, do you want to buy some stereo equipment for your car? (laughs) And I said, I don't think so. And they they said, oh, no, this is really good stuff at rock bottom prices. And I said, I bet it is. No, thanks. I think I'll pass. I know a few police officers you might want to talk to. And I've actually talked to a number of people that have that same story. Really? So I wonder if it was something like one particular group that was doing that for a while.
2: Wait a second. If someone's willing to go ahead and steal something and then try and sell it to you when you're at an ATM somewhere, wouldn't you worry about uh, you
1: not being held up? Gordon, I had like $30 in the bank. (laughs) They could have asked me nicely, and I would have said, here you go. Here, that's everything I got. I wasn't really worried about it. That old blood from a turnip kind of thing. I couldn't have <laughs> afforded what they were selling anyway.
2: I had a stereo stolen from a car once, and uh, I, uh, I went out, and I was examining. It was at night, and I went out and was examining the damage. So I was, uh, I was on my back on the floor, front floor of my car, looking under the dash at the damage. And when I was in that position, a security guard came up to me and said, "Uh, will you please step away from the vehicle? And I said, where were you about an hour ago?
1: Well, not uh, preventing your, your stereo from being stolen, I suppose.
2: No. No. But he was getting after me for checking the damage.
1: All right. Uh, we're over. We're way over. We'll have the actual not sports report, which I'm sure Gordon will have a much better story. But that's coming up at uh, 4.50, so stay tuned. Eric Pincus is next from the Bleacher Report on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.